Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you're here by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that, <clears throat> that when we seek you, you say you will be found, and when we knock, it shall be open. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will reveal Jesus to each one of us so that we may know him better. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You know that, uh, <clears throat> if we turn to Proverbs chapter 20, and um, I think there's something that is uh, so vital all the time because of uh, when, when, when you walk with Jesus for some years and, some, and you, can, you can start seeing things, but um, you know, time is the best judge. Okay? You know, there are many people who say this, that, and the other, but time is the best judge because of, uh, if it, everyone can say, I believe for this and I believe for that or whatever. And maybe they do and maybe they don't, but time will show, okay? And, uh, and the Bible talks about that we shall be known by the fruits, okay? Not by the noise that we can make, not by the proclamations that we can make, that, uh, it is, uh, but it's by the fruits, okay? And the fruits should speak by itself. And um, in Proverbs chapter 20 and 11, it says here, that uh, even children make themselves known by their acts. Even you know, no, even children make their, are known by their acts. In King James, it says by their deeds. You know, and the same thing that is basically is not so much what we say. I know there was a lot of teaching about that. Just proclaim it. Just proclaim it. Proclaim, it, and that's a good beginning. But. Our words only carries value if we do what we say. Okay, uh, I said I spoke to someone yesterday, and I said he said to me, he said I don't believe he said that any of those people who says that Jesus is coming back soon believes it. Okay, because he said the reason for he said that they don't believe it. He said because look at their lives; they're just carrying on as is normal, and so so it's like. Their words and their life is two separate things. So they say Jesus come back soon. No, come on. If you believe, really believe Jesus is coming back soon, there will be a lot of things we would adjust in our life. Okay? And when he said there's only two groups of uh, cults, really, that uh, have actually believed it. There was the Jehovah's Witnesses back in the 1970s. <coughs> I can't remember what date it was, but there was a specific date where they believed Jesus was coming back. And they sold everything, and they were supposed to stand outside on a field, and when Jesus was supposed to come and take them. And uh, but at least they acted on what they believed. Okay, you know you can say and look from a distance, but it's stupidity. Yeah, but it's even more stupid that a lot when people keep saying that uh, Jesus come back soon and carry on living as we used to do. That's even worse. But at least they had the conviction of what they are saying, and it's the same thing that. That we in, in Christianity, that it's like we separated our lives and to and our faith. So it's like we can say, Oh, I believe this one and the other, but we're still carrying on. I I know of a preacher, he's supposed to be a so-called faith preacher, living by faith and trusting God. He's on social benefits. No, it doesn't make any sense. So he had to negotiate with the with the local council, local government in Denmark, that the uh, we have so many 
weird laws in Denmark. So that is something like that he could show that he worked in the church when the government, local council, will reimburse the church his salary. Okay, and but the thing is, the, the, the point again is there's so much talk about people say, 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 but there's no action. Okay, and it's because we're living in a culture where we brought up with it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts, and it, but it's not the thought that counts. Today, or was it last night, I'm not sure it was last night, the Jewish people are still eating the same meal for the last 4,000 years yesterday. Exactly the same meal, the Passover lamb. Why do they do that? Because when God took them out of Egypt, he said, remember, it's the Lord your God who took you out. And they didn't, the Jewish people, they didn't say, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, we remember, we, we're writing it down on your nose so we won't forget. And that's not how the Bible talks about remembering. The, the Bible is a book of action. Remember in Matthew 28, Jesus, he said to the disciples, he said to them, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world and make students. Okay, and there's a, there's a difference from being a student and a disciple. A student learns by studying, but you don't need a relationship. Okay, you know, that, uh, you, you can, you know, I remember, I don't know if these courses are popular anymore, but when I was a child, there was something that you could do uh, language courses by, by letters. So they send you a, a course when you have to answer the question, when you send it back by mail. And uh, I never met anyone who learned the language that way. Okay. Why? Because you're you, you left on your own. And you can sometimes come up with your own pronunciation of words because you have no reference point. Okay? And, and it's the same thing that we have, we have we, we, when we hear disciple, we actually think we are students. No, we, we are not students. We are disciples. And the way we learn is that we have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, follow me, he said to the disciples, and I will make you fishers of men. And now he said, make, that means there's a process that needs to be followed. It's not something that happens overnight or instantaneously. It's a process little by little every single day. But we need to get back to understanding that the Bible is a book. It's not a book that we need to study for, like when you study other books, the Bible is a revelation of the living God where you meet Jesus. And now, when you meet Jesus, that's what you're acting upon, okay? It's so important that we get this thing back into the church, that it's acting, okay? You know, on, uh, when Jesus was resurrected, he said, all authority is given unto me. And then he said, now you go. Now, that authority was handed to you and I. And the thing is, you can have all the authority in the world, but if you don't act upon it, it won't do you anything, okay? If, you know, and that's where I think the devil have made us believe things where Christianity is like a passive thing. And when he says, no, no, it's not by works and it's not by deeds, it's by God's grace, okay? But grace is not to make you do nothing. Grace is that you can do something. Now, the Apostle Paul, he said something, he said, by the grace of God, I will work harder than anyone else. Okay, by the grace of God. You know, the grace of God, it was not that uh, I, I don't need to do anything. 
No. If you look at anyone in the Bible, they are people of action. They realize this is that God is with me, and now, because God is with me, I can go out and overcome. Amen? So, <clears throat> so even a child is known by its deeds. And I believe that when that, that I met over the years, you know, there was a person I spoke to, I may have been struggling for 30 plus years, and when I was trying to speak to the person, the person kept saying, I, I know, I know, I know, whatever I said, I know. And, and the, the, the problem is that we think we know because we intellectually know, but we don't. We, we only know what we do. If you like, if we if we only if if Jesus only is a philosophy philosophy between your ears, it won't transform the way your life is. And Christianity is all about transformation. It talks about we should go from glory to glory. It doesn't say we should just wait here uh, in our in our comfort zone and wait for that Jesus is coming back. No, it talks about that we shall go out into all the world and make disciples. We shall overcome. We, the world is not getting transformed by we having prayer meetings, praying for, for the government or whatever, this, this, that, and the other. That's not, that's not how the world gets transformed. The world gets transformed by you and I going out and win souls. We, we, we don't need to pray about it. We need to change that law and that law and that law because it won't change people. Okay, if 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 the police said tomorrow there's not going to be any policing the next 24 hours, I'm telling you the crime rate will just go up. Why? So so obviously the laws will not be be enforced. People will just go out and do all sorts of crazy things because it's in their hearts. So we can change laws and laws and laws and laws, but that doesn't change people. But if you transform people's hearts, it doesn't matter what laws they're living under, they will still do the right thing. I was, you know, everyone throws around the word uh, revival at the moment. And, uh, and you have to say revival, the fruit of revival is transformation. Uh, to, when I, when I was a young believer, we used to call it a series of meetings. Okay, now we're calling revival. Okay, and, and it's like the word has just been so degraded. Uh, my understanding of revival is what happened in Wales uh, in, in the last century, where the whole nation of Wales get, got transformed. Okay, and I didn't realize it. It actually started with only 20 people, something. And I think the first prayer meeting they had, uh, nothing really spectacular happened. And then Evan Roberts, he went to the local newspaper and printed an article, Revival is here. Okay, and it just, you know, that it transformed the whole nation of Wales. And I don't know if you go to Wales, there's a lot of uh, Christian names, cities, or towns, villages, maybe more, but it transformed it. When people crossed into Wales, the, the presence of God was so strong in that area that people just repented, okay? And when, when the ships came in from America, when we came into the shores uh, in, uh, near Wales, people just fell to the ground and wanted Bibles. 
where pubs close down, where all these things, not because they preach against it, but, but because people's hearts were transformed. And, but why was it like that? It was because there was a man, Evan Roberts, who saw what the Word of God said, and he started acting upon it. And it's the same thing that we have to understand that, that we, when, when, when we become believers, we must not fall into a, that religious trap that is all about knowing, knowing, knowing. You know, but I don't, I don't care if what that word means in Hebrew or Greek if you don't do it. It doesn't really matter. You know, but I don't know, I don't meet people like that anymore, but I, I used to come around to some people who are really into Israel. And they don't say Jesus, they say Yeshua. Oh, yeah. In Yeshua's name, Yeshua's. It's like there was, like it was, like if there was more power in the pronunciation. No, there's power in the action. Amen. And uh, and one of the things that just became alive to me, uh, but I'm not uh, because of. I all you know that we know. I you know we. I was told you, you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. And I, I understood that from a perspective of I need to gain knowledge of the Bible. Okay? I need to gain knowledge of the Bible. I need to know more. I need to know more. Really, you don't need to know more. You need to do more. It's better that you're reading one verse in the Bible and doing it than reading 40 chapters a day and not doing any of it. Do you understand? Because the Bible is not there to feed my intellect. That's not the priority. The priority of the Bible is to transform you into the image of Christ. And the thing is that uh, a good challenge is very often is that change the Bible that you're reading. Because of all of us, we have, if you're underlining in your Bible and so on, your mind gets locked. So when you're reading, you're hearing a scripture, you say, oh yeah, that means that, and oh yeah, that means this, and that, you, your mind gets locked in it. And when you're blocking yourself from further revelation of the same scripture. And, uh, and sometimes I said to a guy that, uh, in Norway, why don't you read the Bible in English? Because that forces you to think. You know, when, when, you read, you know, you read, I, I, some, when I read my old Danish Bible, I, I need to start thinking because I've, I've forgotten some of the uh, uh, because it's an old Danish Bible. And, and it forces me to think. Okay, and not just skimming through it and say, "Oh yeah, I know that Romans eight one. Yeah, I know that uh, John three sixteen. You know, where everyone can quote John three sixteen, but no one believes it." Okay, and I'm saying that because of they no, no one acting upon it. Okay, uh, and I say that because there's so many pastors are speaking to. They spend most of their time so-called counseling people. Okay. And, uh, and the thing is, why do people need counsel so much? Because they don't believe John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Okay? If you, if you just get and start living your life out of that foundation, you will not need to worry anymore. You will not need to be in fear anymore. You don't need to be afraid of dying or whatever you may be fearful of. Because for God so loved the world. The moment you have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and I'm not talking about the moment you agree with him, but the moment you met Jesus, have an encounter with him, met him, you have done all the dying that you will ever have to do. Have you ever, I don't know, it's actually interesting, someone said to me that when a baby gets born, they cry. When people die, they have a smile on their face. Okay? It's, it's a crazy thing, but... 
But, you know, I, felt, I came across a lot of Christians who are afraid of dying. Okay? But when you are a believer, you shouldn't be afraid of dying. You know, it's just taking another step and when you're in, into eternal glory. Do you understand? <coughs> so we, we need to come back to this thing that we are called to be disciples. And that's why that Joshua, in uh, one and eight, uh, chapter 1 and 8, God says to him, be strong, be courageous. That's why in the book of Acts, well, early church, the only thing they're asking for is boldness, courage. Why? Because you need the courage to act on your trust in God despite of your circumstances. Because we are so used to just uh, uh, navigate through our five physical senses. So now we need courage to trust God beyond our five physical senses. Amen? And... Uh, so, 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 so this, so the way we memorize, the way we are supposed to memorize scriptures is not about that I can recite Psalm 30, 91. You know, like even you can see the Apostle Paul, he was, before he became, he got saved, he was a Pharisee. And his name was Saul. And he was, uh, and the Bible talks about that he grew up and under the teachings of Gamaliel, who was the number one rabbi at the time. And, uh, and it was quite a custom that a, a, a Pharisee who grew up in that kind of environment, they could recite the whole Old Testament, you know, by memory. But that didn't do him any good, okay? Because he was blinded, he had a lot of knowledge, but he was blinded and he persecuted the church. He, 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 he went so far that he got letters so that he could throw anyone in prison who worshipped or followed Jesus. So it was not the knowledge that was important. And I realized that when we supposed to, when we say we need to remember scripture, so it is that we need to do scripture. That's how we remember. If remember in the book of Revelation, it talks about Jesus, he said, he who has an ear can hear. Okay? Many people, they know a lot about scripture, but they don't believe it. I met a person, a businesswoman, many years ago, and she's like a really, really a socialist. And uh, every, uh, she was nearly evangelical socialist because every time she, you know, really, really, but she didn't believe any of it. She thought she believed it. Okay? Because she was, in her actions, in her deeds, she was the most capitalistic person I ever met. She had started three or four companies and so on and made a lot of money in that, but she, she believed uh, she believed she was a socialist, that's what she said. But her actions was what she really believed. And this is where we need to come back to as believers, where we need to come out of that philosophical, theological uh, soul, because really it is when we can we, we can deceive ourselves too that I'm really close to God because I have a lot of knowledge of God. Okay, but you don't. It's not the knowledge of God that makes it a transformation. It's the knowledge that you know Him. Amen. Everything else is not important. The only thing that is important: Do you know Him? And my old mentor, uh, who's home with Jesus. You know, remember where people come and say, have you not done this in your name? And when Jesus say, I never known you. And, and what he talks about knowing him is that uh, that word, he said to me, that, that was only used in one place before 
Remember, when Adam knew Eve, basically, you need to be one with Jesus. And this is really what it talks about when we become believers, our bodies, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and I believe that this is what is going to happen in the body of Christ, or what, uh, what, what, what I should say, what the community that we know as people who defer, uh, refer to themselves as Christian is, that that's where there will be a big dividing line. There will be people who have a lot of knowledge, and then there will be people who do. Okay, <laughs> everyone loves to talk about Smith Wigglesworth today. Yeah. With, uh, uh, make reference to him and whatever and so on. You know what? He was not popular when he was alive. Why? Because he was a pro he provoked the establishment of the believers or the Christian body because he did. He did things. No, he didn't say it. He did it. I'm telling you. I'm you know. I'm glad I was not around when Smith Wigglesworth was here. Can you imagine? He said, "Kurt, let's go out for dinner." And when in the middle of a restaurant, he hits the glass and he says, but, uh, there's no, I notice no one has a grace for the food here, so let me do it on your behalf. I'm telling you, I've just sunk down in my chair, okay? But, but, but he, was such, he provoked the body of Christ. Why? Because he did. He didn't just talk. And, and you know, many of us, we can say, Oh, but this man, uh, this woman, this guy, we all, they have this so much knowledge. You know what? It doesn't matter how much you know. It's about who do you know. It's not about how, because when, we, when, I, when the word of faith movement start coming into, really start growing, we got it led into the deception to believe that you could be taught to receive. Okay? You can't. You know, I've seen people who knew every single healing scripture and they died. And when I know seen people who knew nothing at all about healing and they got healed. I know people who know every prosperity scripture in the Bible and they're still poor. Okay? And I know people who don't know too much about the prosperity scripture and they're prospering. Do you understand? And and so it's about the thing is that you might think that little thing that I've been given, or or because I compare this, we compare one another with one another all the time. You no, know, as long as you're just using it. I'm telling you, that will be your prosperity, that will be your breakthrough. Moses, he had this word over his life that he was going to deliver Israel from slavery. And, uh, and I believe that's why he killed the, 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 the taskmaster, because of why else would he go out and look at the slaves? Uh, can you imagine, have you ever thought, oh, what shall we do today? Oh, let's go out and look at some poor people. <laughs> That's not entertainment, is it? Uh, is why would Moses even go anywhere near the slaves? They were unclean, according to him. You know, they were not even allowed to eat together. You know, he he was brought up as a royalty, and uh, and when what, when he goes out and see the two Jews, and one a Jew uh, get beaten by the taskmaster, you have to understand that Moses was brought up to believe that these the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, they were subhuman. That's why we justify slavery, because we're subhuman. Okay, so why would he go out and beat up or kill the taskmaster when it was because he knew that he, that was his calling? Okay, but he was a little bit ahead of his time because of just because you are called doesn't mean that you don't need to be trained. 
So he was a little bit ahead of it. And uh, so he went through, uh, to the backside of the desert and so on and so forth. And he probably thought, this is never going to happen. And, and I was supposed to be the deliverer. And now I, I could, I could, he could see himself doing it when he was in the palace. When he could be the next pharaoh, he could maybe, by manipulation, kill a few people ahead of him in the line. And when he would become the pharaoh, he could probably see it in that way. But now he was in the backside of the desert looking after sheep serving his father-in-law. I'm glad he didn't say his mother-in-law. Okay, and he, he probably, and, and when he, he thought basically he had nothing. But what did God say to him? What is in your hand? What is in your hand? And for me, that is where very often this very thing that God has already given to you, we very often neglect it. And thinking, oh, it's not so good. It's no, just use that thing that is uh, that God has given you, and that is the key to your breakthrough. Amen. And uh, but so so when he started acting upon what he had been given, that was where you know the, the Jewish people they believe Moses is the greatest prophet of them all. Okay, you know it's interesting. The Jewish people have a different view on prophets than charismatic says. Charismatic thinks a prophet is a fortune teller. Okay, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if these things are even newspapers anymore. I, I my sister, she used to. Uh, she, I think she must. Uh, she, she believed anything that was superstitious. Uh, so in the old days, there, were, uh, there used to be these horoscopes in newspapers. Remember that? Where depending on uh, what what animal you're born in, I mean, every day there was this horoscope. Oh, if you're this or something, oh, something, something, and it's all. It was always such a broad, general thing that. You could always fit it into something. And my sister, she really believed it. And this is how many people they think charismatics uh, think a prophet is. Okay? It's not like that. In other words, why do the Jewish people call Moses the greatest prophet? Because he wrote five books revealing God. And, and that's what prophetic is, is to reveal God. Amen? It's not to say, oh, Two o'clock, one minute past this, then the other, something like that will happen. No, that's not prophetic. Okay? Well, it's not like that. And the only one I know of, really, in life that had a dream was Martin Luther King. Okay? And even him, people don't, it's interesting, people never hear what he said. You know, the, you know, the black community, we say, oh, yeah, we, we, this is a fulfillment of Martin Luther King because now we had a black president and we have a black this, that, and we all know. If you listen to what Martin Luther King's speech was, he said, I had a dream that one day my daughters should, should be judged not according to the color of their skin, but according to their character. He didn't say that, that black people should be treated preferentially because of the color of their skin. He said that everyone should be just according to their character. You know, I, seriously, I, I couldn't care less if it was Sunak was yellow, blue, green, orange, whatever he is, uh, or the guy up in Scotland. You know, I don't understand why there's always for all this Pakistanian business. No, as long as you're qualified. Okay? Can you, when you need an operation, Oh wow! You are, the you are the first orange man who's ever become a surgeon, and I'm going to operate on you. Wow, wow! I'm really privileged. 
No, you want them to have got that job not because of the skin of their color, but because we are qualified. Amen? The, it, it, all the other nonsense about that we need a, this amount of this and the other, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter if a board is full of women. It doesn't matter if a board is full of men, as long as those who are there are qualified. Okay? And it's the same thing. <coughs> no, but anyway, so back to this thing. So Moses, he got to him, what is in your hand? What is in your hand? And I'm telling you, you have already got everything that you need now to do, to get your breakthroughs. To get whatever God has laid upon your heart to be manifested in your life. God has already given it to you. But many of us, we always want, we just need that one extra thing. Okay? I just need to be a little bit more anointed. Actually, I came across something that I recited that I realized is not biblical. Jesus is the hope of the world. Have you heard that phrase? No, Jesus is the hope. You know, there's, no, the Bible actually says in Colossians, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Jesus is not the hope. You are. The Christ in you. Do you know Christ is not, and now when we say Christ, you have to understand, it's not the last name of Jesus. What is, what, what is your name, Jesus? My name is Jesus Christ. No. Christ is one of these words that is not translated, it's imported. Christ means, it should really be translated to anointed. Okay, so Jesus is the anointed one. Okay, now if, when you become a believer, the anointing is in you. Okay, but we think, oh God, I need to be anointed. Are you a Christian? Yes, you are anointed. Amen, you're not going to be, you are. But we always want something extra. I'm telling you, you got the name of Jesus. <coughs> you got the name of Jesus. This is the most powerful name in the world. You know, like I said, uh, in the English language, but even the devil knows there is power in the name of Jesus. You don't, you don't hear anyone say, oh, Buddha. <laughs> oh, oh, Buddha. No. The devil wants to pervert it because he knows there's power in that name. You have been given that name. That name gives you access to heaven. Any resource that heaven has, that name gives you access to it. Each and every one of us have got that name. Not only that, you got the Holy Spirit. So you never left alone. And if you... If you see the Greek definition of it, that really is, you know, the Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's the one who gives you strength. He's the one who always stands by your side. He's your counselor. He, he's your wisdom and so on and so forth. And now, not only that, you also got the word of God. You don't need to go out and, and uh, kill four sheep before you can get God to speak to you. You can just open the Bible. Amen. Just open the, and all of these things has been given to us. So we have more than enough to break through. We have more. We, 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 and I think it's like there's a moment where God says to us, like he said to Moses, what is in your hand? 
And now, if when we start reading the Word of God and we start acting upon the Word of God, we, we, we will all be amazed to see the transformation it will happen in our lives. Okay, I, I met so many people, my, I, I've probably done it myself many times, but it's so easy just to tell people, do this, do this, and when we don't do it ourselves. And that's why in the world, I don't know if it's like that now, because, but before I got saved, we used to say about the church and the Christians, they were hypocrites. And rightly so, majority, because they, they, say, they, they say one thing, and when we do another, okay, that, uh, like, the thing is that uh, we don't need to say so many things. We need to do. Like, uh, there are certain preachers, when you listen to them, they only have one sermon. And they just preach it, they preach it, they preach it, they preach it, they preach that sermon, they preach that sermon, and that's fine. Because it's not about a, 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 a building up your knowledge of the Bible. It's about that you get a revelation of Jesus. And then you start acting. There's an Australian, you know, he lives in Australia. I think he was born in America, in New York, called Peter Daniels. He was, and he was a very, very poor upbringing. He couldn't read, he couldn't do anything. And when he went to a Billy Graham meeting, and he got saved, he met Jesus in that meeting, and there was one thing that came to his mind when he left that meeting was possibilities. Because he, 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 he had a revelation of the Almighty God was now with me. He could, so what did he do? He didn't just sit down and wait, oh yeah, God, do something, bless me, help me, whatever. He said possibilities. So he taught himself to read. So he had a, dic a dictionary, he, he, he writes in his book, he had dictionary in, the to uh, in his toilet, in his living room, in his bedroom, and he basically taught himself to read. And now he's a multi-millionaire in whatever, he, but it all started with that one for possibilities. But because we've been brought up in a faith that is passive, where, oh, if it's God's will, he will do it. So, and we just sit back and waiting, 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 and when we, 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 I would say nearly perverting the gospel because when I mean, you see many of times when people how people using the, God, uh, the verses, it's not in the intention that it was written, just like the speed cameras. Did you know that the guy who invented the speed camera, it was not to to make you drive slower. It was because he was a rally driver and he wanted to find out how fast he could go. So these speed cameras is really an invention that has been abused, okay? But the thing is, many of times I feel, I see on Facebook, I see people using scriptures as a comfort blanket. So they, they get confirmed in their lack of victory, in their lack of uh, uh, desire to break through and so on. Oh, but I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Oh, okay. You know this one? I, well, and then I met Jesus, and I saw two sets of footsteps in the sand. And then suddenly, there was only one foot set of footsteps. That was during my hard times in life. And I said to Jesus, where were you, Jesus? And then Jesus said to me, I carried you.
okay? And 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 it's you know, but you and I, when we become believers, we are called to be overcomers. Romans eight talks about when we should be more than conquerors. Someone gave me a definition of that. He said, "How can you become more than a conqueror?" I mean, he said, "It is a super heavyweight boxer's wife. She's more than a conqueror." The boxer got all the beatings. The wife took all the money, so she was more than a conqueror. Okay, Jesus took all the beatings. We we reap all the blessings. But but you have to understand that we when we you, we are not victims anymore. You become a you should be a champion when you become a Christian. Okay, but because we are so cult uh, that. Everyone wants just to be confirmed in where we are. That's not faith. Faith is when you keep expanding. The Apostle Paul, he said this thing about, oh, I'm always oh, a Peter. I said, I'm content in all circumstances. Yeah, but that was not a comfort blanket. It, you know, the goal is not for you to be safe. The goal is for you to be, you know, the purpose is for you to be safe. The goal is so now you can, because you're safe, you can go out and conquer. Like this comfort is with me. In Denmark, we have this phrase we call it, we call it a little a boring midlife life. It's like Villa Volvo, and when dog, we call it Volvo. This is how the dog barks. So the free V, it's like a middle class boring life. And many people think this is the purpose of being blessed. Oh. In your hands, you have the power to bring the healing of God. Amen. In your heart, you have the power to take people from eternal damnation into eternal salvation. That power is in each one of us. Amen. Many years ago, I had this when we were in Nelson Street. I remember this thing about, remember all these doors that was there in Nelson Street. <clears throat> and I remember at that time God uh, showed me this thing about that that people come in through every door. And I thought first I thought it was physically, but it wasn't physical doors. It was each one of us. Each one of us are supposed to be a door, an entrance into the kingdom of God. When people need you, they're only one step away from eternity. Not meaning that you're killing them, but you know, uh, getting them saved. Okay, but but is, but they don't get saved through our words. They get saved because they can see our lives. That's how people get saved. The, the early church they didn't get saved. You know, look at the sermon of Stephen. I remember I had a good friend called Gabriel, and it was him who told me this. He said, and he he's a Nigerian. Have you speak Nigerian? Was it's actually funny. He was very small, but he had this big Nigerian voice. Anyway, so when you speak with him over the phone, you think he's six foot something. When you see him, he's still... it was actually him who said to me that he he said to me, "This is a Nigerian who told me it's not something I said. I could have made it up, but anyway, he said you can always see in Nigeria who is who are the Christians." He said the the tall and handsome ones from the north are the Muslims. The small and fat ones. We are the Christians. <laughs> anyway, but he said about Stephen, 
when he remember Stephen who got stoned in the book of Acts, and he said, he said, this is a completely rubbish sermon. It's just a history lesson. He talks about this when we and so on. But you know what? Why was it powerful? Because he knew Jesus. Remember what he said just before he passed over into eternity? He saw Jesus. It, it, sometimes people say, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It doesn't matter what you say. Okay? Because if Jesus is with you, he will anoint it. In fact, when I was in Kiev in 95, I'm telling you, I preached the same as I preached in England. I remember at the end of the sermon, I just said, anyone wants to get saved? And the interpreter, you know, the interpreter he, he, he translated he said it, and people just jumped up, ran forward, and I said, what did you tell them? Okay. It's not the message, so to speak. You know, ask any preacher, and uh, they will say, no, so they will say, oh, I really preached a wonderful sermon today. No one can remember. Okay? And when other preachers, as you, you have people co coming to you, and when you preach really a bad sermon or whatever, and when they come up and say, oh, that day it really changed my life. Because it has nothing to do with us. It's to do with Jesus. Okay? So don't... So, as I said to you, people about healing, about, what, what, yeah, but what, I don't want to pray for people or lay hands on people because what if they don't get healed? And as I said to people that if I'm not supposed to take the glory when we get healed, I'm not supposed to take the blame when we don't. Okay, when, uh, now we don't get the bills. But no, but if a postman comes and hands you a bill in the, in the mail, you don't chase the postman down the road Say, why, how dare you sending me a bill? You know, he's just a delivery boy. Okay? You know, but I met many people say, oh, I don't want to do because what if nothing happened? What if nothing happened? What if nothing happens? You know, but it's nothing to do with me. If you're dumb enough to believe that I can heal, you're really dumb. Okay? I can only deliver. I can only be the, the go-between. Because... And that's where you can use the scripture. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. So if they, if they, if they, if they shouted you, do you know, you just shouted to Jesus. It's actually biblical. When, when Miriam and, uh, and uh, Aaron, they complained when they started Ku Klux Klan. You know, they came up to Moses because they were upset about Moses married an Ethiopian woman. You know, she was black. Okay. And what did we say? Are you the only one who can hear from God? You know, it's like, have you ever done, have you ever heard this? When someone don't like what you're doing, they always come and say, there's some of us, <laughs> no, it's never me, some, some of us don't like it. So who are some? There are some of us. <laughs> you know, it's not, but, no, so, so, and God actually said to Moses, it's not you, it's me they are rebelling against. It's actually a fascinating prophecy. I can't remember if it's in Ezekiel or something. It's something about that when, when, the, when, the, when the Jewish people are going to return from diaspora, which started in 1948, really, and there is a, 
when we, when it's a verse which talks about we come on, we turn on eagles' wings and we shall give birth. And there was actually when um, in the nineteen eighties when Israel they flew, they flew back where the black Jewish people from Ethiopia and Somalia, and there were some of the women in the plane that gave birth on the plane. Okay, which was quite interesting. And uh, but anyway, so there are black Jews. Okay, I don't I don't buy into their Chinese Jews. Okay, uh, Chinese all oh, are Chinese Jews. No, there's not. They're black Jews. That is, we uh, refer back to. Solomon and Queen of Sheba and uh, and Moses, okay? Anyway, but you have already been given what you need. What is in your hand? Don't just say, oh God, I need to do more. I need to know more before I can do something. No, no. Start where you are now. The hardest point for all of us is just to get started. There was a, uh, you know, someone said to me when it comes to economics, he said, the hardest point is go from zero to one. Because once you go from zero to one, now the money starts working for you. You know, 10% of zero is not great, is it? But at least if you get 10% of one, you get something. So he said the hardest point is just go from zero to one. And it's just about getting started. We all, and you don't need to, you know, you can, you can do it in whatever way you want, you know. But the thing is, get started. Pray for someone, uh, take a picture of someone, and then uh, lay hands on it. And so you don't need to tell them immediately, or whatever it is, but just you get started. And as you get started, the more bold you will become, because the more you see, God is actually with me. Amen. But we very often think, no, he must do it, she must do it, or whatever. So, no, we can all do it. You, are, you know, each one of us, we know people that no one else can reach, but you and I can. Because we have one have the connection to it. Okay? And I, I remember many years ago, there was a person, and uh, we had an open-air meeting, and and I felt that I was just the Holy Spirit said to me to go to speak to that person and so on, and uh, and I didn't want to do it because I who am I? I can't say I can't say anything, whatever. And uh, but to make a long story short, I, I finally I managed to introduce the gospel to the person, and uh, it turned out that that person's parents was neighbors to some of the elders in my church. And they came and said to me, oh, did you minister to that person? I said, yes. Yeah, we had tried so many years. And it's just, that person got introduced to Jesus. The next day, that person was admitted to a mental institute because the person was mentally ill. And I know that I was God's last chance there. Now, I'm not saying that we only get one chance. Okay? But the thing is, you and I, we do not know, are we God's first chance to a person, or are we God's last chance to a person? All we can do is act. And I'm telling you, I was, uh, and it was, it, was not, it, was, I was, it was not a very articulate uh, way of announcing the gospel or whatever, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's about, because it's from heart to heart. Okay? 
It's from heart to heart. I'm telling you, but like in Kiev, you could just say, Jesus, and people just got saved. You don't need to have a long sermon. Jesus saved. If you ever hear sermons by Reinhard Bonger and so on, I'm telling you, we're not great Bible teachers. We're not great Bible preachers. But God was with them. You know, the only thing I know that uh, he just said, Africa shall be saved. I mean, people just all over this. Okay? Because it's not about how articulate we are. It's about God is with us. Okay? So, <clears throat> but let's go to Romans 8.37. This is a, well, the purpose of us as believers. Eight thirty-seven. Yeah, there is no Romans. Oh yeah, no. So no, in all these things we are more than conquerors. No, in all these things, no matter what. So notice in whatever circumstances, we as believers we do not have problems. We have opportunities. Amen. Victims have problems. Champions have opportunities. You know, but when there was every time there is a crisis in somewhere, there's always some people who come out on top. These are the people we call champions, and so are you. Here, he named uh, the apostle names quite a few things, and he said, "But in all these things, we are more than conquerors. You cannot be defeated. Why? Because." The anointing that is in you is greater than what is in the world. And the spirit <clears throat> is always superior to the physical. You know, anything you see in the natural is a product of someone had a had a thought. Okay? You can anything you know, it doesn't matter, there's nothing that is impossible. If you start realizing that it's not impossible. What was it? I can't remember. Was it Einstein or what? It was, it was some person. I can't remember who said it. Or was it Nelson Mandela? Yeah, it was, it was Nelson Mandela said, everything is impossible until it's done. Everything is impossible until it's done. Okay? And it can be done. Because of if you lack wisdom, and what is wisdom? Wisdom is not intelligence. Wisdom is how to do it. And the book of James says, if any man lacks wisdom, ask. And now it doesn't say God will grumpily give it to you. He will gladly give it to you. Because when you have the wisdom of God, you also have the glory of God. You know, this is when, you know, when, 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 when it talks about Daniel and his friends, there was a spirit of excellence upon them. It was not like there was a, everyone could see a cloud over their face. It was because of whatever task that was set before them, they found a solution. Where everyone else thought it was impossible, but because they were not in lack of wisdom, they found the solution. Can you imagine you, someone comes to you and has, oh, you say you are a prophet, okay. Tell me what I dreamt last night and tell me what, I, what it meant. Can you imagine that? Oh, let me see you to him. Um, 
<laughs> but it was impossible for everyone else, but not for Daniel and his friends. Why? Because there was a spirit of excellence. And we, in James says, if you lack wisdom, just ask. Just ask. You know, you are called to be the head and not the tail. You, every, you know, but every single day, we should challenge ourselves, do some, one, one new thing every single day. Apply something new. Because of, if we keep doing the same thing, we'll, we'll keep getting the same thing. But we are supposed to take new land, go in and take new areas, so that we can glorify God. Okay, because everyone knows, we are, we, you know, from the natural, we couldn't do it without God. But we are called to be conquerors, not victims. Amen. Jesus, he didn't die so that you could just survive here on earth. He said, it is finished. He when he said, it is finished, it is complete. Now, Satan had no power over you anymore. He might tell you he has, but he is a liar. He said, he deceives. The only weapon that the devil has is lies and deception. Okay? He can't kill you. The devil cannot kill you. You know. Because if he could, you wouldn't be here. He would have done it already. Okay? He couldn't stop you the moment, he couldn't stop any of us when we decided to follow Jesus. And some people were so afraid. I remember, oh, don't go near this, and don't go near that, and don't go near this. And, uh, because of the devil, he's so dangerous. No, he's not. He is defeated. So what if your furniture moves around in your house? Just ask him to move them back. Okay? He is defeated. He's more scared of you than you're scared of him. Do you know, you, the devil is scared of you. Why? Because when he sees you, he sees Jesus. He sees the blood. And that's what happened on the cross when, Je you know, when Jesus was made sin, when all our, our sin was laid upon him on the cross. Now, you, there's nothing in you that the devil can make a demand on. Why? Because the price has been paid. Amen. He has no control over you at all because Jesus has defeated him. So now you can be more than a conqueror. You don't need to be a, uh, scared. You know, what does the Bible, you know, you know God has, in, in Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And the word power is really the word ability. Ability. You know, imagine whatever situation you're in, you have the ability to overcome it. Or maybe say you have the ability to solve it. Whereas if you is saying, what is it? If money is the problem and you got the money, it's no problem. Okay? You, you have the ability. You have the ability. So don't be worried. Don't be concerned. Don't be scared. Don't be fearful. You have already, you're not going to get it. You have already got it. Now that revelation is not to bring you something new. Revelation is to reveal to you what you have already got. And many of us, we, we, we live in, because we, 
we, we live in this life from the devil say, oh, you will get it one day. One day you will get anointed. Or if man, man lays hands on you, you will get anointed. Or that thing will get whatever. No, you have already got it. When Jesus said it is finished, this is, what, this is what Easter is about. This is why we are not Catholics. You know that the Catholics, they still worship Jesus on the cross. The Protestants, our cross is empty. Because he's not there anymore. What was the message in the morning? What, what did the angel say? He's not here. If it had been a Yorkshire person, what is it? Did you lose him? <laughs> no, okay. okay. He's not here. He's not in the grave. He is resurrected. You have to understand, we are, we, the Jesus that we are following is not the humble shepherd from Bethlehem. It's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the guy you see in the book of Revelation. Do you understand? It's, our aim is victory. Our aim is, is overcoming. If you just quickly turn to Hebrews 11. It's actually funny that in Bill Johnson's church, we have a cafe, coffee place. We call it Hebrews. You didn't get that. That's okay. 11.32 says, this is, a, this is the chapter of all the heroes of faith. It says, and what more should I say? For time would fall me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, now who through faith, now that, that trust in him, okay, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice. I mean, I like this, this is the part I want you to see, obtained promises. Now you have to understand, he's referring to Old Testament people, where the promises was in the, in the, in the future. Okay? Now we are on the other side of the cross. You know, as I say, healing is not a promise. It's a fact. It's an established truth. It's yours already. You're not going to be healed. You are healed. You're not going to prosper. You are prosperous. You're not going to be delivered. You are delivered. But you need to go and take it. The, the civil war in America was back in the 1870s. And what that war was about was really about slavery. And when the North won, the, on paper, the slaves were free. But they, but. In real life, so every black person was still was free, but in real life they were not free. There was there was segregation in many places in America and so on and so forth until they went up and realized I am free. And then we start taking it. It's actually funny that they started with a woman called Rosa Parks, and. Uh, and she was really a hero. Do you know what she did to ignite the whole civil rights movement? She sat down. She was so tired on her way back from work. And at that time, in the bus, 
So like if you were a black or colored person in America at the time, so you had to go outside in the bus to a front and buy the ticket from the bus driver. Then you had to go out of the bus and then go all the way back and go into the bus again and go in. Okay? And so the back side of the bus was for the colored and black people. The middle section was a little mixed in terms of so there was a white person who wanted that place, which was full. If you were colored or black person, you had to rise up and go out of the bus, get back in at the back. And a late night when she was on her way back from, from her job, I think she was, a, I don't know if she was a cleaner or, or, or something like that, but she was so tired. And then a black man, no, a white man came up and said, I want, demanded her seat. And she said, I was so tired and she just couldn't get up. And what happened was the bus stopped, they called the police and she got arrested. And because of that, the civil rights movement started. And her, her pastor was Martin Luther King. Okay, and then, but it was when they started acting upon what was already theirs. They had been free for over, nearly a hundred years. But no one had acted upon it. They, they were subdued by their history, by their culture, by circumstances, by what other people said. Oh, you are a slave, you are a slave. Oh, so they just start behaving like slaves. But until Rosa Parks, she said, she stood up, to, no, she sat down to stand up, so to speak. I mean, until she did it, that was what, that what little ignition that was needed. And the whole thing, erupted. Okay? They, they acted upon it. I am free. And it's the same with many of us as believers. 2,000 years ago, roughly, when Jesus was resurrected, and yet the devil had managed to keep telling us it's pious to be a nobody, it's pious to be defeated, it's pious to be... He even sold us the lie that, you, that mediocrity is unblessed. No! We are so, we, 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 we need to rise up and I realize Jesus has truly set me free. Jesus has truly healed me. Jesus has truly provided for me. I can go out and obtain what he has already done. Amen. If we, but because of, we, we mirror ourselves in other people, we mirror ourselves in culture, and we, we always told that, oh, it's, it, no, the devil said, it's pious to be poor. Okay, I remember the, the, the Polish Pope, the one who passed away before, now I can't remember, we've got two popes now, isn't there? So, but the Polish one, no, no, the German one, no, the Polish one, yeah, oh, when he died, oh, he had nothing, oh, he must really be a holy man, you don't need anything if you're the Pope. Can you imagine if you're the Pope? You know, I, I, you don't need to pay for anything. You can just say, I'm the Pope. Okay? It, 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 uh, but uh, it, it's, it's so many lies. And we have bought into it as a, the body of Christ because we think it's humble. No. I'm telling you, I have met many people who are poor who are so proud. And because uh, pride and humility has nothing to do with money. Do you understand? It's to do with your heart. Okay? And, and we need to, and that, what I believe is revival. This is when we realize what is already mine. 
like uh, I can't, I don't know that word, like this woman from World War II in, in during the Blitz in Germany, no, in London. And when she realized that God ne never sleeps nor slumber, and when she realized during the Blitz, when the bombing, when the Germans were bombing uh, London, and you know, that people start every night we met up in the tube because as a, as a safety shelter, and when, and when people get to know one another, and then suddenly they realize this old woman, she's not there anymore. So they thought, first of all, maybe they, her house had been bombed or whatever. Someone went to knock, uh, went to where she lived and to see if she was still alive. And she, she was alive. She said, why are you not in the, uh, in the tube at the nighttime to, for safety? And she said, because I realized God nor sleep nor slumber. So there's no, there's no point both of us staying awake. Okay. She, she had this thing. She, she realized she's safe. Psalm 91 talks about that a thousand fall on your right side and 10,000 years left, but it shall not come near me. Okay, don't believe all these statistics about this one. Yeah, so what? I might see it with my eyes, but it shall not come near me. Amen. Why? Because you got the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus protects you. My youth leader, he had a, I think she had problems mentally. And so until one day God showed her the entrance to her mind, like a gate. And when God said to her that, uh, that uh, just like what God said to the Israelites, uh, like the poles, uh, the door, put, uh, the, uh, plead the blood of Jesus on the entrance to your mind. And ever since then, she never had an issue. Because the, the devil cannot touch anything where the blood is. And the deaf angel that went through Egypt that night could not go through. Because why, did, why did it not touch the Israelites? It was because the blood was there. If you, know, if you have been a Jew and you have not done it, the deaf angel would have come. Jew or no Jew. It was the blood. What was that? They acted upon. You know, you, it's so sad you have... We have all the promises in the Bible that is ours now. And yet so many ministries are still living off charity. Living off of oh, people giving this and the other. And the problem is, it's not sustainable. If they die with that generation. Okay? And, 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 and we have, many Christians have not realized it. But we have already given. This is the Easter morning that when Jesus... When we say, he is not here. He is not here. He is not here. He is, he, he is now. He is not uh, the lonely shepherd from Bethlehem. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords. I'm telling you, when you, when, when you see the description of Jesus in the book of Revelation, that's how he looks like now. He doesn't look like all the posters you see on Facebook. Blonde hair, blue eyes, well-trimmed beard. Or whatever, maybe, and that's not how he looks like. He is he, 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 the glory of God shines from him. So even John, uh, one of the closest of his disciples, fell to the ground when he saw him. This is with Jesus, we are certain. Every angel, everything, uh, uh, demon, they are scared of him, and he lives in you. Amen. He lives in you. So I'm telling you, don't be intimidated. And I'm telling you, he will not let anything harm you 
Do you understand? He will, like, when you're reading revival histories, people don't really like to talk about these things, revival histories, but the side of it, when you, when we're, when we're opposing, we living God, the severity of God is also manifested. Okay? But, and, and, like, God is neutral. You can either be on his side or you could be off his side. Okay? But, where is with Jesus? So now, can I just think, just eh. We all have family members who need Jesus. We all have family or friends or somewhere. You don't need to call, I'm going to pray for you now. But you can do it in your heart and then you'll start seeing results. Okay? Kenneth Hagen, he shares about it. He, they had an uncle who was like the black sheep in the family. And... Uh, and he prayed for his salvation for years, for years, for years, and nothing had ever happened until he realized what Jesus said, we shouldn't pray for people to be saved. He realized we should ask the, the, the Lord of the, 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 we should ask for laborers of the, the harvest. And when he asked, that, will someone, be a, a laborer of the harvest, be sent to his uncle? And you know, within a few weeks, his uncle got saved. You know, but we, 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 that's where, he, he didn't need, he didn't call him, oh, uncle, I just prayed that you will be saved, you will be saved. And the only thing you'll get out of that is that we'll just be more stubborn, okay? No, but you can start. You don't need to tell everyone, oh, I will, I, now I want to pray for you to be healed or whatever. You can just start. It doesn't say you have to announce it. You can just start. You don't need to tell them, okay? You can just start. And you and I'm telling you, when you start seeing God delivering on what you you will be bolder and bolder and bolder and bolder. And don't trust your emotions, don't trust your feelings or whatever. Just trust in Him. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.